Welcome to Practically Fit, Real Fitness Over 40. We call it that, well, because I'm 41, and Jen, how old are you? I'm 51 as of last week, and yes, there is life after 50. I'm Alex Johnson, and that's Jennifer Chamberlain. And with this podcast, we want to explore fitness topics for people over 40, practical topics. Practical in the sense that we want to provide helpful tips about real topics for people our age, like why am I getting this beer gut? And why don't I look like these people in my Instagram feed? And practically in the sense of, well, we're practically fit. Almost fit. Fit enough. See, there's a lot to the name we've chosen. We'll choose a topic, do our research, and share what we learn with you. But first today, we're going to talk a bit about ourselves, how we got to know each other, our fitness journeys, and how those journeys have led us both to aha moments lately that have really changed the way we've been thinking about our own personal fitness. So with that, Jen, let's dive in. I want to hear more about your personal fitness journey throughout your whole life. Sounds great. Well, my fitness journey began when I was about 30, and um, I actually wanted to quit smoking. Not because I was worried about getting cancer. I was 30 at the time, and I still felt invincible, but because I was getting wrinkles, and that just was not going to happen at 30. So I decided to quit smoking cold turkey, and it was really difficult. I oscillated between wanting to cry and wanting to punch a coworker, and it just was not a good scene, not good for anyone. At that point, I, I took up running, and my first fitness goal was to be able to run for five minutes on a treadmill without stopping, and that was incredibly difficult because, you know, I, I'd been a smoker, so you can imagine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, I, I don't think smoking is that conducive to running, just a hunch. Um, I, it, when you're younger, though, you can get away with it, right? Like, yeah. I remember I remember in college, we would smoke a bit, you know, I might, might smoke like one or two cigarettes a day socially, and... Uh, you know, I did do some running in college and, you know, I, I think, I, you know, run anywhere from like three to five, maybe like eight miles sometimes on those country roads and then come back and light up a new port. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Menthols. Oh, oh, the worst. Yeah. You can totally get away with that when you're a little bit younger. Um, but anyway, that's how I got started. And I ran, um, my first goal was after running five minutes was to run a 5k. That also was incredibly hard. It took me 40 minutes for my first 5k. And I was, again, I was in my thirties. So that's, you know, pretty, uh, indicative. Um, but then it got easier over time. And then I ran a 10k and then I ran a half marathon and then I ran a whole bunch of half marathons. And then I decided that I wanted to run a full marathon by the time I was 40, which I did. And then I proceeded to run 10 more marathons in the next 10 years. So you could say I got the marathon bug. I I would say that's more than a bug. I would say that's a sickness. But I think we need to save that for another episode of the podcast when we talk about running versus cycling. Yeah, yeah I, have a, a, I have an interesting relationship with running. I actually did a newsletter post about my addiction to running. But you know, it's a healthier addiction than smoking. That's for sure. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> And, you know, along the way, I even got you into running for a little while, right? So that's kind of how we became friends. Yeah, really. We were we were working together, um, and uh, we'd go out in those hot summer days in Texas and go running while we were at work out in downtown Dallas, which um, I don't, you know, I look back at some of the running I've done now, even in recent years in the heat, and I think that's not the healthiest thing in the world that I could be doing. <laughs> so I really, I really tried to adjust on that as well. But yeah, well, that, you we, know, we got to know each other, you know, talking about our lives and, and everything out running. 
Totally. And then there was that time we almost died, of course, when we were running in deep alum and uh, couldn't, uh, oh my gosh, couldn't find water, couldn't find our way back. It was terrible. Yeah. Deep Elm is an area of Dallas, for those of you who don't know, which would be most of the listeners of this podcast. And it's kind of clubs and bars, but we got lost. And I think we had to take like those bird scooters back to our office. Yeah. And yours didn't work. So you had to use it like an actual scooter. It was, it was ridiculous. That 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 defeated the whole purpose of using the scooter at that (laughs) point when it was a hundred degrees. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. But anyway, so that's, um, that's how I got into fitness and really, you know, in running my whole, um, strategy was to chase the big goal. The big fucking goal is one of my uh, favorite bloggers likes to say. So, you know, because there's a set plan and um, there's a set schedule and you're always challenging yourself to see, you know, can you run the distance? Can you improve your time? So that's really what sustained me for uh, really a couple of decades. But earlier this year, I trained for my 10th marathon and I found it just a slog. I was so incredibly burned out from running and every training run, I was just dragging myself through it. It was taking longer to recover and I just wasn't enjoying it. And that's what I really decided, you know, I needed to find a different approach to fitness. Yeah. So we'll talk about your epiphany in a bit. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about my fitness journey. And, and by the way, we, we like talking about these journeys. I think everybody needs to sit back and do some self-reflection and think about your own fitness journey. I think it's a really great way to think about your personal fitness philosophy. So um, I know I've enjoyed reflecting on this as we've, we've done the episode. Mine, mine really started in, I want to say, either like eighth or ninth grade, so kind of middle school, early high school. And it was connected to basketball. We were a big big into basketball at my school and uh so they made us go out and run to get ready for the season which I dreaded that going out in August and and running you know and it's funny to think back they'd have us run a mile two miles three miles and I just dreaded it and now that's that's not a a long distance to run right and even better at one point around that time they decided we needed to kind of get stronger because we weren't strong enough as a team and you know in basketball you want to you want to be able to muscle people around under the the boards and get rebounds. And so they felt like we needed to be stronger and they, they put us on a weightlifting regimen. The problem for some of us was there, there are a few kids who were pretty strong already, but there were a few of us who just had nothing in terms of strength. (laughs) I mean, I was super skinny. I I was the skinniest kid in the class, but there were a few of us who were like that. And we couldn't even, so they were having us do things like squats and bench presses I could not lift the bar on the bench press. It was 45 pounds. Wow. I couldn't, I, I could maybe barely lift it on a normal bench press and then on incline, couldn't even get it up. And so we were, <laughs> I was scared of dropping the thing on myself on oh. all these lifts. And uh, I think a few of us ended up like fabricating our weightlifting logs and then they decided to test us. So you can imagine <laughs> how that went. So like, I would say a lot of my early, early fitness experiences came from a place of fear which is mm. not not the best place to be in terms of fitness. But I can contrast that with going to college, and I met one of my, my best friends named Landry, and he had been a power lifter in high school, so he was really strong. And we became super fast friends. He wanted to work out, so he said, why don't you come work out with me at the gym at the college? And so he taught me how to do what I would label like a traditional 80s and 90s bodybuilding type workout where you divide up the days into like chest and back and arms and legs. And so we do a lot of those types of exercises with barbells, dumbbells, machines, 
very, you know, typical 1990s workout. The mm-hmm. thing was, I had no strength, so I got strong really fast compared to where I was. It was fun to make those quick gains. But after a certain point doing those same workouts over and over again, I hit the plateau, which is pretty pretty typical when it comes to, to fitness. So um, after that, though, I get out of college and I get super lazy. And it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't that I was just a lazy person. I was working really hard. I had an early schedule for work. I had to get up at like 4 a.m. So I'd come home and be 3 p.m. or something in the afternoon. I'd be tired. I'd end up getting fast food all the time. I was eating like Taco Bell, Taco Bueno, Mucho Nachos, Mexican (laughs) pizza, Gordita, whatever. (laughs) I was eating that stuff all the time. Burgers. uh, And yeah, I, you know, I, being a skinny guy, I gained some weight. I wasn't healthy. Even worse, it it wasn't so much the weight that I was gaining, but it was my cardiovascular health. Like I wasn't in shape at all. So were you a fat, skinny guy? I've heard that's a thing. Like you can be sort of like a little pudgy, but also skinny. I've, I've, a little bit a little bit it wasn't too bad because i was in my 20s and so naturally you know with the high metabolism you're able to keep some of it off but yeah i gained probably 20 pounds at least 20 20 30 pounds so i realized about six months before i turned 30 something just a switch flipped and i was like i've got to get i've got to get healthy this is bad this is so i got to change my diet got to get more exercise so um i at the time you know yes the internet was a thing i'm not Again, I'm not that old, but <laughs> at the time, the best way to find out the, the way to do this was to go to a bookstore. So I went to Barnes and Noble and went into like the fitness section and I ended oh, yeah. up buying this book called The Abs Diet from Men's <laughs> Health. And it was great. I mean, it was a great book. It taught me things that I still use now. It taught me healthy eating habits. They had like 10 or 12 quote unquote power foods that they wanted you to eat things like berries and nuts and you get the idea. Uh, so, so they, it was really that like divide your diet up, eat small meals throughout the day. So that was really helpful on the nutrition side. I mean, I still make smoothies to this day and that Mm -hmm. was, that was something I took away from that book. I do that every morning. The other thing was it put me on a circuit workout. So yes, I was doing some running, but also three days a week I was doing weight circuits. So with barbells and machines and that took the weight off really quickly. So I'd say at that point, that was a real turning point for me in my life. Uh, that's when I really discovered my love for fitness and I haven't looked back. Nice. Um, yeah, it's, and now I just, I, I've gone through this period in my thirties where I was really competitive with myself. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, I think that culminated in the weightlifting. I, I was doing, you know, heavy weightlifting with no supervision. I would, I got all this stuff in my garage, just like barbells. And I would go out in the garage. I found it was a real outlet for me, especially when I went through my divorce. You know, oh, it was, yeah. It was, yeah, it was yeah. a way for me to really blow off steam. So I'd go out and do that, <laughs> you know, be out there trying to deadlift 300 pounds, which for my weight, you know, that was pretty good. Um, but the problem was I kept pushing myself, injured up, in, ended up injuring my back ended up injuring my groin. I think you were there for that one. Uh, yeah, I remember that. There was the box jumps. The, the box, box jumps. jumps. <laughs> yeah, the box jumps at the work gym. See, there, yeah. there were these box jump platforms and <laughs> you could raise it exponentially. And rather than drag this out over several months, I just kept trying to raise it every time I would go to the gym. So that was the worst injury. Um, that, that was um, when I pulled my groin and I couldn't even run without pain on that one. I had to go do rehab. And that's when I, again, I kind of sat back and rethought the approach I was taking. So I started doing completely body weight type exercises in terms of strength. 
So that was really fun. But then I got competitive and I'm like, <laughs> instead of just doing pull-ups, I need to do a one-arm pull-up. Like I can't. I see so a this pattern is, here. <laughs> yeah. This is something I fight all the time within myself is this competitive, competitive nature. But again, that was a time when I stepped back and reassessed my fitness. Um, and then here recently, I've had my aha moment, which is kind of putting this all together. When I think about my journey, and this is why I say thinking about your fitness journey is so important. One of my big takeaways has been that I don't, in terms of my effort level and my energy, I don't have to go out all out all the time. I don't have to go out on every bike ride and ride as fast as I can. I don't have to constantly lift as much weight as I can. Uh, This is something my wife has really helped me with taking a step back and thinking about mixing up intensity. Mm. So this is one of the big things as we do this podcast and we, we do the newsletter over at practically.fit is thinking about how you can take a healthier approach to fitness, still have fun with some of the competition, but be healthy because you're aging. So that's been my big aha moment at the end of of my, my fitness journey here recently. Um, would love to hear about yours because you've had a very similar experience recently. Well, uh, it also had to do with aging. So I've been reading or actually listening to this great book by Jen Gunter called The Menopause Manifesto. Such a fun topic. Yeah, that's that's exciting. (laughs) Future podcast maybe on this. Uh, It's an important topic. It really is. It really is. Yeah. No, joking aside, I mean, you know, it's something we can't avoid as women. And it's a good thing to, you know, live past menopause and you want to be as healthy as possible. But Jen Gunter is a doctor and she really walks you through the science. And what I realized in listening to her book was that any time that I'm not actively building strength, I'm exponentially losing it. And it was that was just a big aha moment for me because even when I was training for marathons, I tended to be very all or nothing. So I'd do my long run, I would do the prescribed workouts, and then I would kind of do nothing on my days off or you know, take a long break afterwards. So it, it was less um, sustainable. So now I'm thinking that it needs to be more about longevity and about having smaller, smaller fitness goals that are more easily achievable that I can work into my daily routine, which is really a lot what this podcast is about. The other thing I really loved about her book is she talks a lot about toxic fitness culture, which I know Alex, you and I have talked about this so much too, but she, I felt like she really um, describes it well. So she talks about how, you know, um, just because I can't play soccer like Megan Rapinoe or do gymnastics like Simone Biles, I'm not going to beat myself up over that because they have certain genetic gifts and they've also spent so much time training to to be at the peak of their performance. But women my age beat themselves up because we don't look like Jennifer Lopez at 50, right? But she also spends a lot of time working on her appearance, maybe more time than I would really like to spend. So Jen Gunter has this great quote, many of us are harsh on ourselves because of the ongoing toxic culture of bodies and beauty. And I see that so much in the fitness world today. Right. I mean, and this will be a an entire episode of the podcast at one point, because I'd like to delve more into the origins of toxic fitness culture. I've been doing some initial research and I think we could go back pretty far, Uh, (laughs) but yeah, in recent times, you might call it Instagram fitness culture, Mm -hmm. body ideals derived from photos with filters, airbrushing, exceptionally attractive people. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, I saw, I saw a really uh, 
a great interview recently with Zach Efron, and I had put this in the newsletter. It was fascinating. He was talking about what he had to do to look the way that he did for that movie Baywatch several years ago. And basically, he had to take um, diuretics. They're heavy-duty diuretics that you would take for a serious illness. Or if you're uh, a racehorse. Or, I think he's yeah, taking Lasix, right? And they use yeah, it in racehorses. So. Exactly. He was taking horse-grade medication to look cut for that that movie. So you never know what goes into what you're seeing in the movies or what you see on Instagram. Have people used a filter? Is this even their real body? Um, right. It's, it's crazy to think about. And really, it's, it's not much different from when we were younger. Um, in the 80s and 90s, you had this fitness magazine culture, uh, the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue, this bodybuilding influence on fitness. So some of the aesthetics were different, I would say, in the 80s and 90s than they are now. And you had these really jacked up people on these magazines. But again, those photos were being airbrushed. And so it's it really, it's been a continuous threat, thread through the fitness industry for many years, this idea of toxicity. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, going back to the 80s, you know, this will date me, but it was all about jazzercise when I was, you know, a teenager. So me and my uh, high school friends would go to go to the gym and do jazzercise and then smoke in the parking lot afterwards. So again, that gets back to things you can get away with at 30. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a great mental image of you now smoking outside of a strip mall you got <laughs> after it. your jazzercise <laughs> class. I'm, I'm imagining these, the clothing, like very, Oh yeah. The leotard. Yeah, yeah. Very exactly. neon. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I think that's a good discussion around, around our fitness journeys and this idea of toxic fitness culture, which again, we'll, we'll explore deeper in a future episode, but let's talk about where we go from here with the podcast. Um, we're, we're really on this journey, journey, Jen and I, to be practically fit, and we want to share it with you. And as we do that, we've come up with six fundamentals that we feel will drive the topics that we cover on the podcast that we talk about in our newsletter over at practically.fit. Uh, these, are, these are the fundamentals that drive our view of fitness and exercise and health. Let's, let's talk about these fundamentals. There's six of them, and we'll go through them really quickly. Um, the first one is that we believe exercise and fitness should be heart healthy. This is the most important thing. Exercise should support a healthy cardiovascular system because you only get one heart and once it's done. Yeah. Once it's done, uh, that's it. (laughs) Yeah. And again, if you've had people in your family who've had heart disease, I've seen that in my family. Uh, My dad had issues with blood pressure and a stroke, which unfortunately I've inherited the blood pressure. So that's one of the things that drives me to exercise is to try and keep that under, under control. Um, the next fundamental, we believe that exercise should be safe. And this is non-negotiable. There are a lot of fitness programs out there. We're not going to name names, but some of them may not be the safest things that you can do. So anything that we're advocating for or that we do in our uh, personal life will be safe. And th- this should be exercise that can be done free of injury. Really important to me having injured myself several times working yeah. out, but I've learned my lesson. So not in the garage by yourself, you're saying, right? Yeah. I mean, you can work out in the garage by yourself. Just don't do extremely heavy weights. Exactly. Maybe where you don't know what you're doing, you don't have the proper form. Right. Uh, And then empowering. Exercise should make you feel good about yourself. We believe in building both strength in your body and mind, not chasing these unrealistic body aesthetics. Another one that we we believe in is that fitness should be diet-friendly. So... This is a balance. You should be able to eat and drink things that you enjoy. Jen and I both love beer. We like IPAs. 
you know, I love to have a good hamburger. You like to enjoy a good veggie burger. <laughs> but you, you want to do that as a balance. You have to eat reasonably healthy and you have to continue that exercise program in partnership with a generally healthy diet. Um, we also believe fitness should be practical, which is kind of obvious, right, based on the name of the podcast. But by that, we mean it should fit into your everyday life. It shouldn't be so time-consuming that you feel like it takes up all your free time or so complicated that it becomes a chore. And, you know, to some extent, maybe both of us have been guilty over that. Oh, yeah. Guilty of that in previous years, right? Absolutely. So, uh, that's been a learning for me. Absolutely. And then finally, maybe most importantly, fitness should be inclusive. You know, fitness is for everybody, full stop, no matter who you are, no matter what your body type. Right. So those are those are our six fitness fundamentals. That's how we'll look at the podcast moving forward. And we wanted to share those with you as part of the first episode. So that's going to wrap up the first episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we hope that you'll keep listening. We have two more episodes that are already out. One is on setting realistic fitness goals and some of the learnings we've had in our life. And another episode is on recovering from injury, which as you age, that can become something that happens to you. And I've, it's been a very personal topic for me here recently. So please go listen to those podcasts. We want you to uh, not just listen, but engage with us. So if you have ideas for the podcast, if you want to see topics covered in the newsletter, shoot me an email, alex at practically.fit, uh, and we can we can talk. Uh, but thanks for listening, and, and Jen, I'll turn it over to you to, to end the episode. Yeah, thanks so much. We really are looking forward to hearing your stories as well. And just remember, fitness is for everybody. Uh-huh.